You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. I'm honored to speak with today's guest. He's a gentle, handsome family man who also is doing some of the most fearless work I've come across in animal rescue. We're talking to Mark Ching of Animal Hope and Wellness. Mark has made eight trips to Asia to create awareness about and rescue dogs from the horrors of the dog meat trade. Today, he's going to share his work with us. Some of it will be gruesome, but most of it will be enlightening and positive because Mark is creating real change for millions of dogs. So if you want to learn more and see how you can help spread the word, don't go away while we take a break from our sponsor. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfortable. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after a short pause. Are you confused by the overwhelming number of supplements for your dog? Developed by a veterinarian, Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver is designed to address many of the common problems your dog faces today, including inflammatory diseases, arthritis, hip dysplasia, geriatric problems, and more. Restore and maintain your dog's health with Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver. Order two bottles today and receive 20% off plus free shipping. Visit Canine System saver.com Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. We're here today with Mark Ching of Animal Hope and Wellness in LA. Mark is doing incredible work creating awareness for and rescuing dogs from the horrific dog meat trade in Asia. We're going to learn more about Mark and what he's doing to save those who have no voice from the cruelty of this barbaric trade. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for talking with us. Just start by telling us what the Animal Hope and Wellness Organization is and what was behind creating it. So the Animal Hope and Wellness Foundation... We're a nonprofit local to Los Angeles, and we specialize in cruelty and abuse. Uh, what that means is we focus on dogs that kind of wouldn't survive without us, that people have beaten up or stapled their mouth closed or done some pretty horrific things to locally. We're most popular, I think, now for what we do overseas with the dog meat trade and our work internationally. Okay. And I know in addition to Animal Hope and Wellness, you also have a for-profit business that helps fund what you do called the Petstaurant. Just tell people what that's about because I'm sure there'll be a lot of listeners who'll be interested in it. Uh, the Petstaurant is it's my for-profit business. It's kind of like a wellness center. I run 24-hour free consults and treatment plans for dogs and cats to help them stay healthy, but also to manage diseases and, in some cases, cure ailments. So. And tell us about your background in doing this. Well, I'm an herbalist and a nutritionist, and I actually work with people, but predominantly I work mostly with animals now, but I still do have my human practice up and running. So yeah. Wonderful. What got you involved in trying to create awareness about the dog meat trade? 
what got me started was last year, I think in May, I started seeing on Facebook and the internet pictures and images from or what happens out at Yulin, the annual dog meat festival. At first, when I seen it, I kind of told myself that I felt it was media propaganda. I don't know, Western kind of like journalism or something, changing a situation to where it was exaggerated or fabricated. And so I kept seeing pictures more horrifying and reading things that I just didn't think was possible. And so I ended up going there. My first trip was in September of last year. And I found out that it's actually true. And worse. Yeah, and a little worse than what people think. And so... I hear you. I hear you. It's, I was telling Mark when I met him that my biggest challenge for this interview was to not cry because of some of the things that, that I've seen. And it's not even a, a drop in the ocean of what Mark has seen. So you're going to have to bear with us because this is, um, it's heart-wrenching stuff. So you've made eight trips now. Um, Tell us a little bit about the evolution of what's happened over those trips and how many dogs you've been able to save. Uh, my trips are very different, or the way I do things are very different from the beginning. In the beginning, I kind of didn't know. I just left America. I didn't even really know about visas or anything. I'd never been out of the country. Uh, when I got to China, who I was then and who I am now, it's, it's completely different. And like anything, you learn and you get better and you find different techniques and you become more effective and more efficient. In the beginning, it was more about single rescue. I felt compelled to save dogs that just were in terrible situations, things that as human beings we probably could never imagine existing in. What happened was, even though I was doing something, I guess, overall good, I felt in time that single rescue doesn't accomplish much. If we can't change the mindset of the people or we cannot ban it from a government level, in the end, when I leave, uh, it continues. You know, what, what I think people don't really understand is that they, they're very cruel to these animals. They torture them, abuse them based on a type of cultural belief that it makes the meat taste better or it has health benefits to those who eat it. And so we're not really out there protesting or fighting against the fact that they eat dogs, more so the violence, the cruelty, and the torture that's administered based on this. So getting back to the question is that over time it's changed to kind of like center and push forward to, I guess, banning the dog meat trade in regards to torture. And so it's not just single rescue now. And this is not just in China. These are several countries that have this type of cultural background, right? Correct. I think China and Korea are the most highlighted in media. However, in Cambodia and Indonesia, the practice is extremely worse. And there you will see, I mean, things that you just can't even imagine that people would do to another living thing. And so now you're one man. And while you're doing incredible things that most people couldn't find the wherewithal to do, it takes a lot of people to handle the dogs that you've rescued and getting into these places. Talk a little bit about, you go undercover, your life is at risk every time you go into a slaughterhouse. Talk a little bit about the infrastructure that you create trip by trip and what they do for you. Every trip is different and every place I go to is different. Some places are not violent or not scary or not, you know, I'm not at risk. Some places are. In more civilized countries, uh, safety is 
pretty much guaranteed in less civilized places like the outskirts of Cambodia where law is very little, you know, it's dangerous. And so before each trip, I spend my time building a team. You know, I find guides in these countries. Uh, we bring in translators, transport, vans and everything. And so it takes a lot of time to build that. But not only that, it takes a lot of time to find the places, to do the research, to make sure they're actually, they actually do what they say. And so, you know, there's a lot of planning and things. Not only that, over time, we've accumulated so many dogs and things. And so we're lucky that we have more attention now, so we have more volunteers locally. Internationally, I don't know how big the movement is. I'm still pretty unknown in many countries, so I'm able to continue doing the work that I'm doing. I wish that things were, I guess, more known, so the people in the government knew about us and we had the chance to present our, I guess, argument on why these things should be made illegal. But you've rescued, I mean, this last trip alone, you rescued a thousand dogs. And you need veterinary care because these dogs, some of whom who end up surviving, are in horrible shape. And you need shelter, safe shelter. You know, you have those people that you've had to reach out to to help too, yeah? Life is weird. Uh, sometimes I think it's like, how do we get so lucky? You know, and trip seven was when we rescued over a thousand dogs from the Yulin Dogmin Festival. It wasn't planned. I had gone there to temporarily close slaughterhouses, so nothing was planned. You know, we were never set up to even do something like that because who could do something like that? What happened was when I went to temporarily shut down these places, they had all these dogs, and so I couldn't leave them. And so we chose to rescue them. We were lucky because some people from America helped us to set up kind of like, you, you know, they researched this is a location that you can use to shelter the dogs. These vets will come. You know, you have to pay them and stuff, which is fine. But they'll come. They'll come in. We can set up a system. Uh, these volunteers, they heard about it. They want to help. So they came. And so very quickly, we were able to build shelters to house these dogs. Not only that, I have to give extreme credit to the locals. While a lot of local groups were against us, there were some groups that were for us that said, that's a great thing. You, you know, these are all these dogs that have a chance now. Uh, let us help you. And so, you know, there's a group called Boya that helped us, uh, Tuxin Dogs, Fankong, I mean, different groups, you know. And so we were just lucky. The main one was the Tree of Life. They made much of what we did a reality impossible. And so together, we were able to pull off this mass rescue. And here we are, I guess. <laughs> And some of those dogs made it back to L.A. to Animal Hope and Wellness. Some of them were placed in China with Americans and Canadians and Chinese, right, who love their dogs. Well, the dogs from that trip haven't come back yet. You see, there were so many dogs and the condition of those animals were so degraded and poor that it has taken us time to get to a place where they're healthy enough. I believe the first batch will come back on September 20th or around that time frame. And that when, that's when they're actually okay to fly. And so uh, a large majority will come back to Los Angeles, but other groups in other places are trying to bring some as well, uh, the UK, Canada, things like that. And so Now, Mark, you fund most of what you do out of your own pocket. I mean, donations, you told me, didn't start until trip seven. 
The work that Mark does is so important. If you love animals and you're a believer in humanity, that you're going to find out later where you can donate to Animal Hope and Wellness and know for a fact that it's going to a great, great cause to rescue animals who are so in need. I know that rescuing the dogs individually, which is how it started for you, feels so good. But we also talked about creating lasting large picture change. And that comes with the government and laws. I know you're starting to make strides there. Tell listeners a little bit about what you've encountered. The reason why things have changed over time is because in the beginning, you, you, you were correct. It felt good. It felt good to save these lives. And But as things changed and I started to go undercover and see what was happening, my feelings change. Uh, I think, not even I think, you know, emotionally it's become difficult to where you lose the reason why you start doing something and that really has been the main catalyst as to why I had to change you know I I always tell people in the end I would either die out there or I would just die myself and so now we're pushing towards a government I go undercover to document people don't understand this but unless you can see it it doesn't happen and so I go undercover to document what's happening to show the government This is what they're doing. This is why it has to be made illegal. This is why you have to stop it because we're human beings and we're better than this. And so that's kind of what we do. In regards to government strides, it's starting, but it's small, minute, and slow. I wish I knew somebody who knew somebody to where they could get me in. Our argument is so strong, and I believe once they see once they see it for themselves, once they hear what I have to say, they'll stand up and they'll say, you know, Mark, I have children, I have dogs. And so we will make a change. And even if the change isn't a huge change, the acknowledgement from the government, uh, it speaks a lot to their own people saying that, you know, China or Korea or Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, what have you, it just sends a message to their people that it's time to change, time to evolve. And so in the end, that's the hope. So anyone out there listening who might have contacts or know someone who knows someone in a powerful position in Chinese business or the government or any of these other countries in business or the government that Mark has mentioned, please reach out. You'll have all the information on where you can reach out to, but animalhopeandwellness.org or .com. Animal Hope. AnimalHopeAndWellness.org is a place to start, but you'll have more. Please hold that thought. We'll take a short break from our sponsor. When we come back, we'll hear some success stories. So refresh that beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Retrievers, Labradors, Goldens are the main breeds that come through our door, but we'll train anything with four legs and a tail. My husband and I own a kennel. We train hunting dogs and also have a boarding and grooming business. Our dogs, they're athletes, and we feed a very quality food. You can't get enzymes in a commercial dog food because they cook it at such a high heat that so much important nutrition is just cooked right out of it. But adding Dynavite to their diet has... Every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite 
is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. <laughs> Dynavite's the bomb. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio with Jody Miller Young. We're here with Mark Ching of Animal Hope and Wellness. So there have been some success stories that made me smile and gave me hope for these dogs. I read some of them on your website, Like Hope, and saw the picture of you cradling her little body right after you rescued her. Tell listeners, you know, one or two success stories so they know, like, the end game of these dogs that you you save. You know, in Asia, each trip, the amount that we rescue isn't much. And it's not much because... We try not to buy dogs. Yulin was very different where we had a mass rescue and it was just totally different. But usually I'll go into a slaughterhouse and after they show you or after you see like, okay, this is how you process. This is what you do. I try to use this line where, well, you, you know, I'd like to try your meat. You, you see, is it okay if we take some dogs? Most places will give you some dogs. The amount is very little, two, three, five. And so that's how we rescue the dogs that we do. Many of them are under some type of extreme condition where they've been hung, feet cut off, boat alive, what have you. All the dogs I know quite well, but in every group there are dogs that you have a personal connection to. Why is because, you know, you see what they've gone through and you identify with that and I don't know, you know. I always tell people that there's this moment in all the death or all the darkness that I do that. And there's only one where you go into a place you know, there's so much violence, but there's this moment when I feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they know why I'm here, who I am, and it's so surreal. And you share this, it's probably a millisecond, but it seems like a year, and there's this exchange, and I don't know, they just understand it, and they know that you're saving them. And so, you know, this connection that I have, some of them are shared with individual dogs. Hope was one of them. There's this dog, Freedom, out of Yulin, that was a big one for me. Uh, we just brought back some dogs on Saturday. Three dogs from Cambodia came who are high, high cruelty and torture survivors. And one of them is Grace. And so she's actually in the foundation in this room here. <clears throat> and so the only promise I tell them is this, is that if you survive, you, you know, my job is easy compared to theirs. If you can make it and if you can survive in that environment that you are in, a future awaits that you couldn't even believe. On the day you were born, because most of these pe- dogs are born into the industry, you can never imagine what it would be like. All you have to do is make it to that day. And so 
for many of the dogs we rescue, here we are. You know, they, they, they survive and they come home. And one day they have, a, they have parents and a sister, a brother. Warm bed. The bed. And it's just a miracle in the end, you know, and so, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. You have started working with Lisa Vanderpump, who um, I actually interviewed for my radio show and for Hamptons Pet Magazine, uh, which I write for. She and Ken Todd, her husband, are huge dog lovers. And tell us what you're doing with Lisa. Well, Lisa has a different organization from us. And so what we're doing with her, as well as other groups, are... You know, what we've been able to do, we've been able to go undercover and get footage that doesn't exist until, or it existed, but existed sparsely maybe. And so now the footage we have, because we've been doing it for so long, it's a lot. And so we're trying to take this footage and make it open source in the terms, sharing it with groups who maybe can affect change. In America, I don't know, there's not many groups that are fighting internationally and their group, you know, they're one of them. And so... We have a Capitol Hill meeting. Uh, we've all been invited separately. Uh, the Animal Hope and Wellness Foundation has been invited. Stop Yulin Forever. I don't know if they're going, but I know Lisa Vanderpump has been invited, as well as Dual Dual, Andrew Jung, and I think it's, and Peter Lee from HSI. And so we're all going to this event on Capitol Hill uh, where Congress will be there. And I don't know if we're formulating a strategy on how to ban the dog meat trade, or I don't know if it's more informatory. But we'll have a chance to present arguments to the American government to persuade them to back our play and to pressure these countries at a more higher level to stop these things going on there. So it's wonderful. I wish you so much success in Washington. It's hard to move that behemoth of a place to action, but with what you've shot, I'm sure it's going to make a strong impression. Um, and Lisa actually came to know about you, Lynn, like you did through social media. So, uh, and she was in disbelief as well. You, um, you recently organized a PSA around the Compassion Project, which you created to help bring awareness to what's going on over there. Tell us about the Compassion Project and this PSA. The Compassion Project, when people look at our foundation, you know, it's hard to like look into my brain and find out, you know, who, who are we? What do we represent? We're not a dog rescue, although we rescue dogs and we adopt them out. You know, we're really a foundation that centers purely on compassion. And so we have a victim adoption program where we adopt out really horrific cases of dogs who have gone through extreme abuse to human beings that have gone through the same thing. But the whole point on teaching compassion and showing people that, you know, here's a living thing that is so forgiving, so trusting again, and they can teach us a lot. And so we try to take that concept and spread it throughout everything. In Asia, in the dog meat trade, there's so much, I guess people are upset and angry. And so there's a backlash against those people out there. The Compassion Project is more of an element where we're not that. We're about using the pureness of the heart to kind of like persuade people, to teach people that we should be better as human beings. And so the Compassion Project, the whole end goal is to ban the dog meat trade or for animal rights. But it's more about showing people that, that we are better and that we can be better and that small changes amount to big change, a, a big change on like a global level. The PSA, you know, I thought of like 10 days before I went out on Trip 7. And so we, we were able to actually organize and get all these celebrities to 
back the foundations play to stand up with us and to speak out against what was happening out there. You know, sometimes I, I look at everything that's been done and I'm like, wow, you, you know, how can it even come about? But it did. And so it, it was funny. I was in Indonesia and I was on my way to Yulin. I was on my way to China and it wasn't even done yet. And I, you know, I told the guy who was editing it, I was like, it's, it's got to come out today. No matter what it is, it's going to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect, like perfect editing, but the message will be there. And I think it was. I think it showed what was happening. I think it identified where it was happening. And I think it showed a different side to where even these big name celebrities, Matt Damon, Maggie Q, Sia, that you saw this emotion and you saw people that have these huge followers stand up and say, you know, enough is enough. But not condemning the race of the people, but saying we're better than this, you know? And so that's what the Compassion Project is. It's really a movement towards treating animals as well as people better. And it's wonderful. You you guys should definitely check it out. You can Google the Compassion Project and it'll come up on YouTube. And we're going to do a story on the blog about it as well. And hopefully Mark will give me the code so I can include it in the post so you can see it right there. (laughs) Mark, you talked about the Victim Adopt program, which is incredible. One thing that I found to this dog you chose for her and why that ended up changing her life. You know, in the Victims Adopt program, it's uh, numbers-wise, I think we are in maybe 40 or 50. And so it's not a lot, but that's still a lot. You know, we, we take these human cases that these people have a hard time even living their lives. Most of these people have never even had an animal or a dog or a cat. And when I first meet them, they can't even understand how this could help them. And so when we talk about what has happened to them, uh, I listen. A lot of them have a hard time talking about it because most of these are women and I'm a guy. But, you know, I, I'm very passive and, and, and I don't know, I think I'm a nice guy. I think you're a nice guy too. And so my good qualities is that I can get people to open up. And even when I do this Asia Rescue, that's what happens. You know, it's all about confidence, trust. In this program, I'm able to help these people to understand that there's another living body or living being in the world that has suffered something like you, maybe even worse. And that together, possibly, if you give this a chance, that they can help you to overcome things, not by telling you that it's okay, not by telling you to move on, not by telling you to forgive, but just that someone's by your side that has gone through something worse. You know, I have never, you know, most of them are like rape victims or battery, extreme battery victims and stuff. You know, I've never suffered through something like that. But I try to close my eyes and think of where they've been. And then I try to tell that person to close your eyes and think of this dog. In that moment, you know, it's real like, I don't know, it's real primal and real like, it takes you back to when we were children, when we were trusting and when we depended on our mothers or you know, depended on the people that we loved, you know, between me and the victim of of these crimes, you know, kind of like this bridge is created. And most of them say, you know, Mark, I got nothing to lose. And so, you know, let's try it. In everything I do, that is one of the few places where I really feel like we're doing something great, you know. And so it's a good thing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know it it wasn't easy. Next year, Yulin, what you've learned and what you're putting in place now so that you can be even more effective next year. Share only what you are able to share because certain things need to fly under the radar. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you're thinking. 
you know, evolution is such a big thing in life. You, you know, we evolve as a race, evolve as a people, evolve as a culture, dogs, cats, birds, everything's evolving, whether we see it or not. Change is evolution, and Yulin is no different. You know, to have a festival where you celebrate the torture of an animal, it's just the most ludicrous thing in the world to me. Like, how does this exist? I know, no matter what, that that will come to an end one day. When that day is, I couldn't tell you. <clears throat> However, to promote change and to push evolution faster, we have to change. My tactic last year uh, was temporarily shutting down slaughterhouses with the hopes of taking away from the festival raising awareness and making a statement that change is possible and that you can do something different other than protest and sign a petition. I think we accomplished that. <clears throat> you know, what effect it had on the overall picture, I couldn't say. Next year, we have to be different. We have to, we have to be better. And so the plan is, we, we have a bunch of ideas, <clears throat> but we started already. I just came back from China six days ago. So I went down to Yulin trying to map in all the entry points into the city. We're going to create a microchip program where I think I'll start in January. Starting in January, we're going to try to microchip 100,000 dogs in China with the effect that <clears throat> when this festival happens, as these trucks come in, we'll have microchip scanners. We'll be able to stop trucks at entry points into the city and scan them. And if you have a stolen dog, China is no different from America. They want to and are and have that commitment to protect the private property of their citizens. And that's what dogs are deemed in that country. And so if we find a microchip dog in that truck, we're trying to get the authority to confiscate the truck, arrest the driver for stolen property. And so that's one of the things we're trying to do. Uh, I'm trying to, just because it's going to make me feel good, before Yulin starts, maybe like a month before, I'm trying to negotiate the entire blow-up of a slaughterhouse. And so that's starting now. For people that follow what we do, on trip seven, which was a Yulin trip, you know, I went to countries prior. I was, the first time ever in my life, I was able to rip down a slaughterhouse. It cost me zero dollars. What happens is, I gave the owner of the slaughterhouse a chance at a new life, a new business. On this last trip, trip eight, I did the same thing to a dog farm slaughterhouse in South Korea. We are able to take over the dog farm and take all the dogs and cost us zero dollars. And I saw you in the, what are they called? It was like a bulldozer. Yeah, it was like a bulldozer crane thing, and we smashed up all the cages, and it was great. You know, it went from having tons of cages to having nothing. You, you know, the place is completely barren. And we're in works helping the owner of that place, who was in business for over 10 years, to start a new life. You know, you know it's interesting... In Cambodia, the owners of those places, they were actually very happy to have a chance. This one in Korea was a little different. He was more pressured into it, staying like, my guide did a good job. He was like, look, first of all, you have violations here, and so we're going to go to the government and have you shut down. However, you have a chance to start a new life, and we'd like to give you that chance. You know, what it does is it sends a message to the people who are doing these things that you know, even though you've been doing this for 10 years or 20 years, any day you can change and do something greater or better. You know, he was actually crying when we were smashing his cages. And I, I can't speak any language, but I'm American or English. And so, you know, my translator said, I'd ask him, well, why is he crying for? He's like, you know, he's a prideful man and you came in and you destroyed his life. And I said, I didn't. What I did was we're giving him a chance to save lives. 
And he didn't understand it until after everything was demolished and we sat down. And I had asked him a question. You know, I saw that you were upset and crying. Why? And he's like, because this is all I am. And I was like, no, you're whatever you want to be. And if you allow me to help you, you'll become a greater person. You'll get more respect from your family and things like that. And anyways, I think he has a brighter outlook now and he feels more hopeful. And so, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I'm sorry to say we're out of time. Thank you so much, Mark, for shedding light on this horrible industry and what you're doing to help rid the world of it. It takes a large village and it's heartwarming to know that there's a growing movement out there to give voice to the voiceless. Mark, thank you so much for spending time talking with us. It's been an honor. I am just, there's no words to describe, you know, what you do. Thank you for all you do. Thanks for having me, so. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. My passions are living stylishly and rescue. So tune in to hear about the things I love. And visit me at BarkandSwagger.com for more stylish and rescue news. We'll see you next time. And remember, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.